Welcome back, creepy cats. We have our second deadly love triangle to share. Today, Melissa will be telling Jackie about the relationship between Carrie Farver, David Krupka, and Liz Goliner. This is one wild ride involving internet dating, stalking, harassment, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy. (laughs) I was almost going to say the ew in the annoying voice, but I'll spare everybody. (laughs) I won't do it again. Once was enough. Thanks, Jackie. I'm sure we're all happy to hear that. But you never know what next week's intro might hold. (laughs) Stay tuned. So today, I am going to continue on with Jackie's little theme of... Deadly love triangles. Last week was heavy. Very heavy. Sorry. It was rough. I love love triangles, though. I don't know why. That's always been a a theme of mine that I like, is love triangles. When I watch true crime. To be honest, I do, too. I love the drama. (laughs) It's just always good drama. And usually it's not that heavy. Like, usually it's not as heavy as some other true crime stories but that last one sorry this one i'm already going to say not as heavy as jackie's this is one of those that i feel like if you're one of those people i always see in the comments that people will say i don't like the vicious ones a lot of these stories are too much i think this one will be a good one for you so let's just get right into it yay we're going to be talking about the love triangle I'll just start with the main, not the main player. Let's just start with the man involved. Um, And, okay, this story, too, is there's a book written by Leslie Rule, a.k.a. Anne Rule's daughter. Hell yeah, I love Anne Rule. Jackie loves Anne Rule. That, the, um, Jackie shoot and shot Harvey's hair last name. I got that story from the Anne Rule book. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Leslie Rule, Anne's daughter, wrote a book about this called A Tangled Web, and recently, Mm -hmm. 2020, did an episode. They also called the episode A Tangled Web, and that is season 43, episode 7. So, I would say 90% of the information comes from that episode, which is also basically all summarized in an article from ABC, if you guys need a refresher. Let's get into it. Our story is going to start in 2012 in Omaha with David Krupka. He was a newly single dad. He had just split with his longtime girlfriend named Amy Flora. David and Amy had two children together, but had decided to split up as a couple. They weren't married. They just had dated and had children, so they split and remained amicable. Like many who have been single for a while when or i'm sorry have been in a long-term relationship and then become single david was a little apprehensive about getting back out there so of course what did he do jackie he went online you know it girl i was gonna say online is like just such an easy place for people to get back into it nowadays yep 
And so I think he went on Plenty of Fish and, you know, he was just on some dating sites and he met a woman named Liz Golier. Her her full name was Shannon Elizabeth Golier. She just went by Liz online. David thought Liz was attractive in her pictures and, you know, he clicked her on her profile and decided to reach out. The two chatted about their kids, which are around the same age. They were both single parents. <clears throat> and then they met up for some dates. Things were going well between them because by the fourth date, they were being intimate with one another. However, David claims that he was pretty upfront with Liz that he was interested in casually dating other women. He was not online to settle down again. He had been in a long-term relationship and he honestly just wanted to kind of have fun at that moment. So, friends with benefits is safe to say that's what he's looking for. Yes. Um, I think with a little bit more companionship, not so much as, as um, probably younger adults know it. Yeah. More like... Let's go on dates, but let's not be tied down. Exactly. David said that Liz was okay with this, um, and they continued to see each other casually. I did read in one article that Liz had a somewhat traumatic life. Her first child was killed by her boyfriend in a shaken baby case when Liz lived in Michigan. As far as I read, though, I don't think Liz had any known mental health issues or anything like that. Um, and I'm not sure if that was if she told David her entire life um, and her traumas, but that's neither here nor there. I just decided to throw that in there because I saw it. After six months of casually seeing Liz and a few other women here and there, uh, or I'm sorry, I think just a couple weeks... David was working at an auto shop when a beautiful blonde female entered the shop. Her name was Carrie Farver, also a single mom, and she was bringing in her Ford Explorer for some maintenance. David said that when he first met Carrie and assisted her with her vehicle, they were standing extremely close to one another, making eye contact, and there seemed to be an instant connection. Whether it was romantic or just physical, um, sparks were flying when they met each other. Ooh, sexy energy. I know, I kind of love that sexy energy. I know, but it's, like, good for them. Especially with a stranger. Who's fixing your car. (laughs) I love that narrative. (laughs) Carrie was vivacious, beautiful, personable. Her friends said that she would walk into a room and light it up and take charge It's no surprise that her and David hit it off at the auto shop and um, they decided to go on a date after. Oh, good for them. Mm -hmm. Seems like she's a good fit. Yes. Their first date was at the Almighty, a.k.a. Applebee's. (laughs) (laughs) Where bees. I love Applebee's. Applebee's. I'm not even going to lie. I love it. They laughed. They got to know each other. Things were going so well that David asked Carrie if she wanted to return to his apartment after, and Carrie agreed. However, Carrie wanted to make one thing clear. She was not looking for anything serious, and she just wanted to have fun. Oh, he's probably like, yes! David said on 2020 that, quote, I felt like I hit the jackpot with that, end quote. Oh, 
Good for them. I'm so glad they're on the same page with that. Yeah, he he was really into the fact that Carrie just wanted to keep it casual and she was just doing her own thing. They hit things off at the apartment. They did whatever they did. And <laughs> when Carrie had left the apartment, and this, again, is the first night that they had went on a date after meeting at the auto shop, Carrie is leaving David's apartment that night and actually runs into Liz. That's kind of awkward. Yeah. Liz showed up at the same time, unannounced, apparently to grab some items she had left behind at David's apartment, which we all know, if you were just casually seeing someone, why are you showing up unannounced? I was going to say, never in my life would I ever show up at anybody's place unannounced. No. Especially just a piece, like... Anyway, <laughs> the two ran into each other briefly, but there was no argument or encounter, nothing dramatic. They just crossed paths and um, they just crossed paths. After the first date, David was definitely smitten with Carrie. He kept up seeing her. Um, and when Carrie had to start a big project at work, which her building was located a few blocks away from David, he offered to let her stay at his apartment with him for accessibility. Carrie agreed, and the two seemed to have a good little arrangement going on. She was just going to stay at her apartment whenever she was um, really busy at working. I'm sorry, stay at David's apartment when she was really busy at work, and he was fine with that. They were not living together, nothing like that. On November 13th, 2012, Carrie was at David's apartment before work. Um, she got ready and she left and gave David a quick kiss and told him that she would be there again later after work. However, around mid morning, David received a text from Carrie talking about moving in together. And David said this text was completely out of left field because staying overnight for convenience was one thing that they had agreed upon, but Living together was something that they had both said was not going to happen for them. And this text seemed odd for Carrie because David really was thinking that they were on the same page with their relationship. He really was like, I thought that this was just a casual kind of thing. Yeah, he's like, what changed your mind? Yeah. David replied to her text saying that this was not really his plans and he wasn't really interested in that. He wasn't rude or anything, but just um, nipping that in the bud really quick. But then David got some unfavorable responses from Carrie, basically saying, whatever, I'm dating someone else anyway, and I hate you, goodbye. Ouch. Yeah, with swearing thrown in between, just very nasty. And David was kind of shocked because he said this didn't seem like Carrie, not the Carrie he had met and was with. And what's even more shocking was that when David went to his apartment after work, Carrie was not there to grab her things, which you would think if someone was being all confrontational, you would think that they would be in person ready to confront you, but she was not. Two days went by without any word from Carrie before out of the blue, she started sending texts to David again. And this time she was degrading David and telling him that he had ruined her life At one point, David is just thinking, he at this point is just like, okay, I dodged a bullet. Carrie is kind of not um, completely normal. I'm just going to ignore these messages. Let Carrie slide out of my life. 
And uh, I think I might hit up Liz again. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to move back to someone else. <laughs> and on it, he kind of does, honestly. He kind of was like, yeesh, Carrie, and just slowly goes back to Liz. I mean, he's trying to have fun, so I guess he's just replacing the void that was Carrie. Yeah. And that that is the end of the story. No. <laughs> um, so Carrie's mother, Nancy Rainey, she also started to receive super odd out-of-character texts. Now, she didn't live in Omaha, so she couldn't just go over and check, but her and her daughter were close. One text that Nancy received said that Carrie had taken a job in Kansas and was going to be moving there now. Nancy was obviously alarmed by this because she knew that the job in Omaha was Carrie's dream job. At one point in time, Carrie had looked for jobs in Kansas, but that wasn't when she got her dream job and settled down in Omaha, so that didn't make sense that she was just picking up and leaving. Yeah. Another odd thing was that Nancy would call Carrie and not have any response when she called, but then would get a text from her right after. Nancy flat out said, call me to prove you are okay and call me to prove this is Carrie, but never got a response or a call. After weeks of odd texts, Carrie missed her half-brother's wedding day, which was completely unlike her. And at this point, Nancy knew that something was wrong, and she reported her daughter Carrie as missing. Nancy decided to go to the police to report Carrie as missing. The police asked her normal questions. They wanted to know more about Carrie, Carrie's lifestyle, and if it was possible that she had just packed up and moved, because she is a grown woman. Nancy told police that Carrie was a normal single mother in her 30s. She had gotten pregnant when she was in her early 20s to a son named Max, and she did develop depression and bipolar disorder shortly after that. Carrie did start taking medication for her bipolar disorder, but sometimes would be on and off with it because she claimed that it would make her feel numb. Police hopped on that when Nancy told them that. Of course they did. I was going to say, usually anything with, like, they're bipolar, they're quick to be like, oh, they ran away then because they're bipolar. Yes. Police told Nancy that this happens all the time and it's not uncommon for someone to stop taking their medication and um, either run away to start a new life or just kind of lose it a little bit. Of course, when Dateline and ABC reached out to the Potawatomi County Police Department and Sheriff's Office, <laughs> the police claim that they followed every trail they could and that they take every case very seriously. I will let you guys make your own opinions about that, whether they did enough or not. But I will say there's no proof that Carrie stopped taking her medication or ran away. There was no proof of that. Nancy Rainey continued to look for her daughter, Carrie Farver. Meanwhile, ex-lover David Krupka is doing everything he can to get away from Carrie. David is continuing to receive numerous threats, um, texts from Carrie, somewhere regarding their relationship, stating, we belong together, David, and others were more threatening. It was starting to get more, uh, just more threatening, more scary, some were saying, I will do whatever I can to make you suffer. Yikes. It's getting, it's getting worse. 
Around the same time, so this is within the next month of Carrie going missing, Liz starts to receive text messages and emails from Carrie. Wow. Yep. Similarly to David, the messages were getting more threatening, getting intense as time is going on. One day, Liz went outside to find that her garage had been vandalized and someone wrote, whore from Dave, in spray paint. Liz called David, who was worried for her safety, and Liz then reported the incident to the Omaha police in 2012. I was going to say, she better called the police. She did, and they reported that. The next few weeks consisted of the same threats to David and Liz, and then the next few months. This just went on for so long. And as it's going on, they're almost kind of bonding over this odd love triangle that's forming. Um, a few of the texts are just, they're, uh, they're not great. Quote, my favorite thing to do is stand outside and stare at you. End quote. Ew. <laughs> Another read, I hate you so much that I want to drive a knife in your heart. And another read, I will destroy your life and take your happiness. And this is from a woman he went on one date with and was living with for a couple weeks. He went on one date with her and they weren't even living together. Yeah, she, she was, was like just staying at his place a couple times. Yeah, she was just basically, I'm assuming, spend the night at his house, have relations with him when she wanted and went to work because yeah. it was close. Okay. Yes. All because of this. Wow. Then, on the other hand, Nancy, Carrie's mother, is still receiving suspicious text messages from Carrie's phone. After missed birthdays, missed graduations, missed holidays, Nancy knew that something was seriously, seriously wrong when Carrie missed her own father's funeral. Oh, yeah. There is no way. Mm Mm-hmm. And Carrie still refused to call her mother or even her own son but would answer texts, emails, messages, Facebook. That is weird. If she's still on all of her social medias. She even made a Facebook post saying how annoying it was that everyone was checking in on her and how it was frustrating that everyone thinks she's not okay and how she's fine. Okay. Then Carrie started to text her mother rude, degrading texts. She's turning it now on her own mother, degrading Nancy's parenting skills. Nancy started to notice, too, that as the texts were getting more degrading, the punctuation was not great and the spelling was not great. And that was unlike Carrie. So now Nancy is kind of going from more like something is wrong with my daughter. She something's going on with her life to is this her texting? Yeah, I was going to say, is this even Carrie? Nancy is really getting suspicious. Back to David. It is over months into getting these texts from Carrie, and now it's becoming stalking. One night when he was sitting at his apartment watching TV, he received a text from Carrie describing the outfit he was wearing that moment. That's like your worst nightmare out of a horror movie. Yes, it's like that movie Hush. In January of 2013, David was coming home from work when he actually noticed Carrie's vehicle sitting in a nearby parking lot. The same vehicle that had brought the two together in the first place almost a year ago. 
Interesting. Hmm. David called the police to let them know that Carrie had finally been spotted and they came to dust for fingerprints. And so they kind of thought for a second, maybe she really is just like, she is just stalking him, but they did not find fingerprints inside the vehicle or um, excuse me. They found one, but the fingerprint did not match Carrie. That's sus. Or David. Six months go by without any sight of Carrie, but continuous threatening texts to both David and Liz every day, basically. It was common for both of them to be sitting together, hanging out at David's apartment, and get a text simultaneously from Carrie. I would just be like, I'm never talking to you again, David. Yeah. <laughs> like, Liz would be sitting there, and she would get a text like, I know you're with David, and David then would get a text like, I know you're with Liz. That's too much. And it was becoming a lot. However, David said they were just so used to it that it was kind of just their normal life at this point for him and Liz. But it's still becoming more threatening. One day, David received a picture of a woman tied up in a trunk who looked very, very similar to Liz. What? He frantically called Liz, checking to see if she was okay. Um, and she was, so the threat was not real, but he was still very scared because it looked just like her. Soon after the picture, Liz, her house actually burnt down and police determined that it was arson. So Yikes. someone... That's a lot. Her whole house. Yes. Someone intentionally burnt her house down and it unfortunately killed her two dogs, a cat and a snake. No. The violence did not stop there. Soon after, Liz Goliner's, gosh, that name is hard to say, Liz G, after her place burnt down, David's auto shop was vandalized with degrading graffiti. David became so paranoid that he, at this point, bought a gun to carry with him to protect himself from Carrie. On another occasion, David's friend from high school, Heather, came to stay with him. Heather said that one night she saw David's phone light up with numerous texts from Carrie. And shortly after the text, she heard the door handle jiggling as if someone was trying to get into David's place. That's so scary. Yeah. That night, Heather heard a loud bang in the middle of the night. She was so startled, she thought it was a gunshot. And when she came to, her and David discovered that a brick had been thrown through his window. This is, I was going to say, pretty serious violence. Like, they need to get the police back involved. Mm -hmm. David's ex-girlfriend and mother of his children even started to receive texts from Carrie at this point. Wow. Like, how is she even getting their number? Yeah, how is she even finding these people? By spring 2014... It had been two years since Carrie Farver was seen in person. However, the threatening texts continued to all parties. Everyone is getting texts at this point. Two detectives at the Potawatomi County Sheriff's Office in Council Bluffs, Iowa, decided to take a look at the case together. But they decided to look at the case from two different ankle angles. Ankles! Oh my god. <laughs> two different cankles. <laughs> Lord. Detective Jim Doty agreed to work on the case as if Carrie was already dead, and Detective Jim, oh gosh, 
Detective Ryan Avis was going to investigate as if Carrie was confirmed to be alive and just missing or on the run. That's pretty smart. I thought that was great. Great detective work. So both detectives, Detective Jim and Detective Ryan, took it from the top and just started. They started the investigation at day one. And like I said, two different opinions in their head already. These detectives, they rock because from the beginning, they were not buying the bipolar adult off their medication runaway story. Good. They were like that. First of all, that doesn't add up. Second of all, there's no proof she stopped taking her medication. One glaring detail that they noticed, besides the fact that her checking and banking account had never been used in the past two years, one thing that detectives thought was really notable was that nothing in Carrie's life had changed. Nothing was dramatically changing for her. The only thing that had made any difference was David and Liz. Yeah, I was going to say it was David. Exactly. Detectives reach out to David and Liz again because at this point, Detective Jim and Detective Ryan, since they were new on the case, they had never worked with David and Liz. So they decided to reach out and, like I said, just restart this whole investigation. When they did this, they asked David and Liz for their electronic devices to be examined by a professional. So a digital forensics investigator looked through their cell phones and they discovered a photo of Carrie's Ford Explorer on Liz's cell phone. Ew, that's creepy. Listen to how creepy this is. The photo was taken when Carrie was reported missing, but before her vehicle had been found in the parking lot by David. So clearly Liz had taken a picture during the time that the vehicle was missing. Hmm. How did she know where it was? Yeah, weirdo. When the investigator dug a little deeper, they also discovered that prior to Carrie's disappearance, Liz had called Carrie's phone number six times using the star 67 feature to disguise her phone number and show up as restricted. Why? We don't know. But we do know, detectives know, that this was a huge red flag because Liz had always told investigators in the original investigation that she only met Carrie once in the hallway, passing. Some further incriminating evidence that was found was the picture of a woman tied up in the trunk that was sent to David years prior had been taken on Liz's cell phone. Oh, God. A video that was sent to David showing David walking around the front of his apartment building had been posted to a YouTube page that was created by Carrie Farver. But when they looked at the page closely, they saw that it was uploaded from Liz's IP address. Liz is a mastermind of something. So Liz made a YouTube page named like Carrie Farver and then would post these videos of David as if as if Carrie was stalking David and watching him. Detective Ryan and Detective Jim, they decided to go to Nancy Rainey's house, Carrie's mother, and get her side of the story. They told Nancy that they believed Carrie had not run away on her own accord and they believed something sinister had happened. Nancy was pretty emotional and relieved because she really expected police and investigators to just give up on this case. She thought that they were just always going to assume because of her 
mental health diagnoses that she had just stopped taking her medication. Um, when Nancy spoke with detectives, she recounted what happened and she told them one more thing that was odd. And I'm not sure if she didn't mention this to police or if it just slipped through the cracks of what seemed like no investigation at the beginning. I was going to say they didn't really do much. They kind of just went with a theory and stuck with it. So. Yeah. At the time of Carrie's initial disappearance, when she was still riding with the I'm moving to Kansas story, Carrie had texted her mother and told her that she had sold all of her furniture online and the buyer was coming to pick it up. Carrie had sent her mother a picture of the check from the buyer as proof, like, look, they already paid, and she wanted her mom to go unlock the door so the buyer could come pick it up. What? So odd. But Nancy said that Carrie had sent her a picture of the check and the buyer's name was Shanna Goliner. As you know, Shanna was Liz's birth name. <laughs> Liz, what are you doing, girl? Whew. Detectives keep moving in the Liz direction and they let David know that that's where they're heading. He is still hesitant that Liz could have done anything wrong. But he does tell police, I did have a gun that I purchased, and now that you say that, I can't seem to find it. Hmm. On December 4th, 2015, Detective Ryan and Detective Jim were surprised when Liz walked into the police station and said she wanted to file charges of her own. Harassment charges against David's ex and mother of his children, Amy Flora. For what? Liz went on to tell investigators that she believed Amy Flora was actually who had been stalking her and David the past two years. The detectives were like, hmm, okay, well, can we have permission to get the records to your text messages if this is who is stalking you? And they told Liz they wanted to just read the text. And Liz was like, okay, yeah, I'll sign the forms. And Liz signed the forms away to the, oh. for the police investigators to go through all of her text messages. Good job, Liz. Thanks, Liz. Liz went on to say that she also believed Amy stole David's gun. So she brought that up. And police were skeptical because they didn't bring up the fact that David had a missing gun. Liz was just like, oh, by the way, uh, I think she stole the gun. I don't like, even... You're saying too much. And I don't even know if David had told Liz that. Yeah. So they're like, okay. <laughs> Before detectives could even get the text messages back, the next day, they received a phone call from 911 stating that Liz Goldner had been shot in the leg while out on a walk. <laughs> Liz claimed that she had went for a walk at Big Lake Park in Council Bluffs, Iowa, at nighttime, by herself, to clear her head. Oh. As all as all young women do. <laughs> yeah. When a woman ran up to her and shot her in the leg before disappearing. Oh, for no reason. And I swear she told... I'm sorry. I swear she said that the woman had said something to her. And it was something regarding David. Not necessarily David this, but something... Oh, my God. Something like... You can't have him. Something along those lines. Liz was shot in the femur and she made it back to her car and called 
911. She was fine. She had been shot in the leg. Detectives, of course, were suspicious that Liz had kind of realized she messed up about telling them about the gun and shot herself in the leg to cover her tracks. Oh, God. Liz, too, was suggesting that Amy was the culprit and that Amy Flora, David's ex and mother of his children, had somehow come to where she was in Council Bluffs, Iowa and shot her and then ran away. Yeah, I don't think so. Police already cleared Amy and knew she had a solid alibi. There's no way. (laughs) With ease. It's pretty clear that Liz shot herself to keep up the charade. Investigators keep researching the text downloads of Liz's phone and discovered that she had registered about 20 to 30 different email addresses on her phone during the time of Carrie's disappearance. That's so much work. 20 to 30. How do you even think of that many passwords? Or names. She also had a texting app that allowed her to schedule text messages from Carrie's phone, which explained how she and David would receive texts when they were together. That is some work. Like, you really are putting in work. So much. So much work. The one digital investigator who was in charge of going through Liz's phone... Prayers for him. I could not even imagine going through someone that two years worth of technology. They determined that it took around 40 to 50 hours a week to impersonate Carrie. Oh my word. To the level of Carrie's activity. Meanwhile, Liz is hardcore pushing detectives to get on Amy Flora. She is becoming upset with them. She's calling them and crying, leaving them voicemails, complaining and not understanding why they're not on the case and why they haven't arrested Amy Flora yet. She's trying so hard. (laughs) She would leave detectives, like I said, voicemails saying she's terrified and there's someone on the loose. She's so unsafe. Detective Jim and Detective Ryan, they decide to play into her game and see if they can get some answers. I love these detectives. They're good. They're really on their shit. Detectives reach out to Liz and they say, hey, we really believe you and we believe that Amy did this, but we don't have any concrete evidence and we need you to help us and to get more. And if you can help us, we'll get Amy and we'll pin her for this. Smart. Of course, Liz is like, yeah, I'll do everything. I can. (laughs) And things work out exactly as planned. Fall into our web, Liz. <laughs> Within two days of them telling Liz that they needed more concrete evidence, Liz claims that she received an email from Amy Flora admitting to shooting Liz at Big Lake Park. Oh my. <laughs> Come on now. She's like, hey, Liz, period. Remember when I shot you at the park? The other night. When you were at the park, dot, 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 I was there. Yeah. It's like the note from Jersey Shore. Right? I saw a (laughs) cocktail waitress. (laughs) Yeah, so she is literally going, Liz is going to investigators two days after they told her they needed more with this email. Investigators keep pressing Liz and they're saying, well, we don't have enough. We can't prove this is Amy. We can't prove that was her. We need more information, and we specifically need information about Carrie so we can pin that murder on Amy. The next day after they say that, 
Liz provides emails that were supposedly forwarded from Amy Flora. The emails described how Amy stabbed Carrie three to four times and put her deceased body in a trash bag. This information started kind of like I was just saying, a push and pull routine between Liz and detectives. Liz would give them a tidbit that was circumstantial. Police would require more information. Give us another titty bit. Liz would then get upset and get frustrated and be like, what the hell are you guys doing? And they would be like, no, no, we love you, Liz. Everything's all good. Just help us. (laughs) And then she would give them more. And she kept doing it. And just kept doing it. (laughs) After all of this dirty work from detectives, weeks of prying with Liz, I could... I could not even imagine the detectives having to keep up the charade with her. I know. The investigation was able to gather that from what Liz was saying that Amy was saying was that Carrie had apparently been stabbed to death three to four times in her vehicle. Then her deceased body was moved to a trash bag and disposed of later on. Now, police finally had some information regarding Carrie's vehicle, which was more than they had before they started getting on Liz with this they went back and they searched Carrie's vehicle for a third time they had already searched it twice before when they searched the car this time they pulled up the seats and pulled back the fabric did everything like that and on the passenger seat when they lifted up the fabric they found large red blood stains and that they later were positive for Carrie's blood no very unfortunate This stain was the first concrete evidence that Liz, without a doubt, somehow was involved in Carrie's death because no one ever provided a tip that Carrie's vehicle was involved or that Carrie was stabbed or attacked in general, let alone in her vehicle. So now it's time to get Liz. Get her. The investigation at this point is moved back to Omaha since it was assumed that this had to have been the location of Carrie's murder. Cold case homicide detective Dave Schneider, he joined in on the fun, and he was the first to interview Liz after the discovery in Carrie's vehicle. So Dave starts off slow. He's telling Liz that they have some updates. They tracked the emails to an IP address. They tracked the emails from quote-unquote Amy Flora, to an IP address. They were able to track the photos of the woman tied up in a trunk. And unsurprisingly, all trails lead back to Liz. The IP addresses of the threatening emails to David were from Liz. The IP address of the emails that were sent from supposedly Amy Flora to Liz were also determined to be sent from Liz's IP address. Additionally, Liz's camera roll revealed that the photograph that was sent to David showing a woman tied up in the trunk was taken on Liz's cell phone. Say something, I'm shocked. There's so much evidence. <laughs> like they just, like, That was my big that even, was my big moment I needed. Seriously, to. <laughs> I'm like why she should just honestly plead guilty at this point because every single thing just traced back to her and i'm sorry like there is no even what are you even gonna say it's all traced back to your phone like literally what are you gonna try to say to defend yourself it's almost comical just it really is that's why i just 
really, I was like speechless. So I was like, damn, Liz just plead guilty at this point. The frustrating <laughs> thing is that Liz. There's so much. Liz is so deep in this that she is acting shocked. And then it goes from shocked to upset and defensive. She's like, what? How could this be? How is this possible that it's traced back to my IP address? And then it turns into the same frustrated, like, I'm mad at you guys for not doing your job. And meanwhile, you're tracing this back to my IP address when I'm just a helpless victim here. But the fact that they, like, consistently toyed with her and she gave them what they wanted every time. Like, come on, girl. And listen to this. While Detective Dave Schneider is questioning Liz... Our good old bunnies, Detective Jim and Detective Ryan, are using their handy-dandy search warrant that they just obtained. And they're searching Liz's apartment, completely unbeknownst to her. What did they find? Girl. Chilling evidence. That's for show. In Liz's apartment, they they found items that belonged to Carrie. Someone she had just walked past once in a hallway. Uh, yeah. You just have her stuff. Yes. The most damning item that was found was a camera and a camcorder that belonged to Carrie. And when investigators later went through the camera and the camcorder, they found a video taken by Carrie, timestamped two days before her disappearance. In the video, Carrie is talking to the camera about how her car was recently vandalized. In the video, she goes outside and shows the car, and it's spray-painted in white on the doors and on the hood. Carrie, actually, she's not even upset or mad or seeming scared. She's making jokes about the spray paint and stuff, which that makes me sad because I think you can really tell that she's just a really easygoing person. She seems like the type that... If Liz would have approached her and said, like, you know what, I love David, she would be like, have David. She would have backed off, yeah. She just seemed so easygoing. On December 22nd, 2016, with all of this information and with physical items of Carrie's in Liz's apartment, Liz is finally arrested and charged with first-degree murder of Carrie. Good. But clearly this was going to be difficult. There's no body, no weapon. And no real motive. And no admission of guilt. Not only that, but the psychological aspects are really hard to wrap your your wrap your mind around. Wrap your rind around. Wrap your rind around it. <laughs> it's hard to believe that Liz killed Carrie just because of a fling that Carrie was having with David. Yeah. And Liz was just having a fling with David at the time. Psycho. Then following the murder, Liz kept up the charade, decided to immediately go from murder to stalking, and then to kill her own pets and burn her own house down? That's some real evil. (sighs) Evil. Liz's lawyers were attempting, they asked for a bench trial rather than a trial by a jury because they thought that Liz would have better luck convincing just one judge that since there was no, no body, no crime. And they got it. They ended up having just a trial by one judge. Um, Liz's, like I said, her main defense was that they could not prove Carrie was even dead, let alone that she was murdered, let alone that Liz did it. But then... Dun, 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 dun. What? A few months before the trial, David Krupka 
remembered that he had a tablet in a storage facility. The SD card from the tablet at one point had been in Liz's phone. <gasps> Ooh, recover it, David. Recover it. Recover it. Detectives went through the tablet's SD card and recover they did. What was on the SD? They found, you know, a bunch of deleted pictures. I think there were a couple, like, minor incriminating ones that they just caught her in lies. But the main thing that they saw was, at first, and this is the main investigator who went through all of Liz's things before. They saw a picture. They didn't even know what it was at first. But they realized it's a picture of a foot. A decomposing foot. What? With a Chinese symbol tattooed on the foot. This symbol was the Chinese symbol for mother, a tattoo that Carrie proudly got after the birth of her son. Um, And it's sad because in the 2020 episode, they pointed out that Carrie just, a mother was so important to her, her own mother and the fact that she was a mother. And that tattoo really symbolized a lot for Carrie. Why did she have a picture of it? Basically, Liz has a picture of Carrie's decomposing foot in her camera roll that she deleted. Explain that, Liz. Literally, and why would you even take that picture to begin with? I don't know. Detectives are now putting the pieces together and believe that Liz stabbed Carrie in her car, murdered her, let her body decompose, and then somehow disposed of it after. Disgusting. Now, I'm not even sure if Liz's lawyers ever addressed the picture of the decomposing foot. (laughs) I don't know if they ever addressed the IP addresses, but they're basically saying everything is circumstantial and you can't prove it. Oh, excuse me. They did address that, but they're saying even though it's Liz's IP address, you can't prove who's on the computer. You can't prove who's typing things in. And the IP address, yeah, the IP address is not proof. The defense also heavily leaned in on the fact that there's no proof that Carrie is dead. The same narrative we've been saying this whole time. No body, no crime. No Liz, no jail. Only time will tell. I don't buy it. Neither did Judge Timothy Barnes. Good. In 2017, the judge disagreed with Liz and her lawyers and determined that, first, there is too much damn evidence that Carrie is deceased. Too much, Liz. You know, the judge saw right through it. There's no bank activity, no contact with her son via phone, no contact with anyone via telephone, and she missed her and father's funeral. I was just going to say, missing birthdays and funerals, like, come on. Yep. And weddings and graduations and holidays. Second, he said, there's too much evidence that Liz is the person who killed Carrie, stalked David, and just created this whole fake life for the both of them and the judge really believed that the IP addresses and all of the technology was trace evidence whether it didn't have to be physical it was technological I believe it too Yep, they had IP addresses multiple photos evidence that only the kidnapper or the killer of Carrie would know the foot yep So, she was sentenced to life in prison. To this day, Liz Goliner has maintained her innocence. She says that she was a victim of harassment. And I hate, she tries to play this card where she says, 
Carrie's murder is still out there, and we need to find them to get justice for Carrie and for me. Girl, stop that. Stop it right now. Yeah, I hate that. I just kind of want to rip Liz to pieces, but I'm better than that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm above that. As Jackie said in her last episode. Yeah, we're above that here. Um... So, that's Liz's story. She does respond to Leslie Rule's letters and, like I said, claims her innocence. Okay. (laughs) Yep, that's enough said on her. As for Carrie Farver's family, her mother, Nancy Rainey, is incredibly grateful for Detective Jim and Detective Ryan and the technology detective who went through hours and hours and years and years of technology and evidence that was um, Liz's and it's really cute in the 2020 episode Nancy says that quote those are my boys end quote Aww. it's really cute that's so cute I love that and they got this picture of the three the three detectives standing together and it's just I like it it's a really cute picture good and those three detectives actually set up a scholarship fund at the local community college in Carrie's name to kind of just keep a positive image of Carrie and um, just keep it light and remember the person she was because her reputation was almost tarnished by this whole stalking. Yeah, for absolutely no reason. David also says he's extremely grateful for all the detectives and investigators Because it took him a while to see this. This was someone he trusted, someone he had lived with. Well, not lived with, but someone who he had spent so much time with. And David said that his heart really just goes out to Nancy and to Carrie's son. That all of this kind of had to happen for no reason. And that is really just the end of my story. Um... It's really sad because, like, I feel that obviously there is justice for Carrie getting to um, clear her name and things like that. But this is just one of those stories where it's so frustrating that all of this happened for no damn reason. Literally none at all. Like, zero. And that is the most frustrating part because... As we discussed earlier, Carrie just was so easygoing. She seemed like such a great person. If Liz was in love with David, she could have just approached Carrie, I feel like, and said that. Definitely. She definitely seems like Carrie would have just backed off and Liz could have had him, even though it doesn't even seem like David wanted that. So it's just like, why? That's what I wonder as well. Her and David were never even, I think, officially being together not living together, not married, not having children. So there was no point. None. I don't know if Liz's traumatic experiences played into it at all, but I'm sorry. Two years of fake stalking, burning your own pets down, and doing all of this is way too much. And killing a person you met literally one time. And then degrading their mother via text and think, making their mother think that their and daughter. their son. Come on now. Come on now, Liz. Tell us what you think about all of this. Yeah, let us know your opinions on Liz and the whole thing, I guess. (laughs) Let us know. Like I said, Leslie Rule has a great book. Go read it. Watch the Dateline episode. It's the 2020. It's very recent. And just let us know what you guys think about all of this online craziness. Yeah, let us know what you think about all the drama. And we will see you guys on another week. Thanks for listening. We love you. Love you.
bitch. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.